The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect that of the staff and management of Good Karma Brands, but are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests of this particular show. America may have many, many days, but they will be full of trouble. There will be no rest. There will be no tranquility in this country. Until a nation comes to turn with our problems. Bringing you social and political commentary from his mouth to your ears. Breaking down the issues which matter to you. You are not put here to be a white man's footstool. You are put here to represent the very best in God's world. Legendary civil rights icon, the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the studio. Reverend Jackson, how are you? Mr. Reverend, good morning on this chilly Milwaukee morning. And I am pleased to have one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party, Chairman Bobby Seale. Mr. Chairman, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. From Mr. Eric Holder. Mr. Holder, so good to see you. How are you? Well, I'm fine, man. How you been? It's been a long time. Haven't seen you for a while. The Dr. Cornell West. Dr. West, how are you, sir? My dear brother, you're so kind. You're so generous. So, man, but I salute you and the work that you were doing there. You're doing a magnificent job there, Wisconsin. Stream live on 1017thetruth.com. Call in with your questions or comments. 833-212-1017. Join us on social media at 1017thetruth. It may not be what you expect to hear, but I will definitely give you what you need to know. Are you ready for the truth? I want the truth you can't handle the truth now live from the american family insurance studio at the avenue in the heart of downtown milwaukee here is sherwin hughes good morning welcome to the program today is tuesday february 27th 2024 i want to give a full disclosure Mostly because this subject matter makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I don't like to engage in hearsay or gossip. I'd rather not. But sometimes there is something that is in our atmosphere that is worthy of discussion that may kind of blur the line between productive conversation and something that may be considered sensational or salacious. First, let me start with something that I take very seriously. When people are harmed and they disclose that harm for the reasons of healing or to expose a fraud, someone who has a particular image, and a lot of times the image that this person has, someone who's got great status, who has great respect, might be a fraud. And if someone comes forward and exposes a powerful person with a lot of status, there might be be a fraud. The victim takes heat, a lot of it, and the courage that it takes for someone to come forward is probably more courage than most of us have. It is commendable. It really, really is brave, especially if you know that this person that you are accusing has way more clout than you, has more credibility than you, and they can use that clout and that credibility and how so many other people put them on a pedestal. They will use their credibility and their status to crush anyone 
who says anything negative about them. So I understand why someone who has been harmed or victimized may want to stay silent. But that doesn't help anybody because don't you want to know who the predators are, who the bad people are, who the bad actors are? Don't you want to know? Or do we want to just walk around living in a bubble? And some days I'm not sure. Some days I don't want to know. I really don't. Ignorance really is bliss. I'd rather not know. Here's the full disclosure. I don't know Pastor Kenneth Locke. I've never met him. I've heard of him. I know many, 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 many people that know him well that go to his church. I am not accusing this man of anything. I'm telling you, I don't know him. I have zero experience with him. The only experience I have with him is through the words of other people and these other people's admiration. But I find something unusual. And it's incumbent upon me to share with you. Things that I find unusual. Maybe it's just me. Maybe there are other people that have noticed unusual things. That's all I'm doing. I'm not implicating anybody. Ain't nobody guilty of nothing. I do know this much. When a woman comes forward and says that she has been taken advantage of and manipulated and harassed, I'm supposed to believe her. I'm not allowed to ask for any proof. It's disrespectful if I ask for evidence. They say, Sherwin, believe women. Cool. I will, because I know for an absolute fact that there are women, not just here, but everywhere who have suffered harm at the hands of another. And they're apprehensive about coming forward because being harmed and victimized is one thing. Having people not believe you is another kind of victimization. So I get it. I understand why people keep these things to themselves. It's very troubling. But if my part is just believing a woman. I can do that. I have no qualms about it whatsoever because I respect her courage. There was a, a young woman that I met. Oh, I would say probably three years ago. She and I had some mutual professional interests, a number of mutual friends via that professional interest, but it was shocking that she and I did not know each other. This is probably 2021, maybe early 2022. And she and I decided to grab a coffee just to meet. Cause we knew a lot of the same people. We had worked with a lot of the same people, our social circles somewhat overlap. Now she didn't really go out all that much because she has two young children. It's a very fascinating story. Uh, Two young children by the same man. She never got married. The relationship dissolved. And the man she had the children with just kind of went on and did his own thing, essentially leaving her with these two young children. I mean, very young. At the time, they were like two and four years old. So because her schedule is what it is, because of her professional involvement, and she's a mother of two, it was difficult to figure out a time for us to to hang out. And it wasn't really, it wasn't a date per se. I suppose one could look at it like that, but I didn't really go into it thinking any kind of relationship was going to come out of it. It was just me essentially networking and having a conversation with someone who I was aligned with politically, professionally, et cetera, et cetera. So we agreed to meet at a 
fairly well-known eatery. And we just start, you know, chatting, not even about our professional involvement, but just as personal stuff about our lives, et cetera, et cetera. And then she just goes on to tell me about this church that really helped her through the tough time of the dissolution of her relationship, which left her with these two very young children. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. Anything, I'm not going to say her name. Let's call her Lisa. Anything, Lisa, that helped you get through a very trying time and that gave you hope and that gave you faith and you were able to remain optimistic and be the best parent to your children. I'm like, I'm all for that. So then she goes on to tell me about Evolve Church. So at that time, I had just heard of it. I wasn't familiar with this particular church. And she wouldn't stop. And then she goes on and just gushes. It was it wasn't more like a parishioner pastor relationship. It was more like a schoolgirl crush on the pastor of this church. And that clicked for me because I don't know if y'all know this. But men will use any and every tool at our disposal, even tools we don't have at our disposal to manipulate women. We just do. Women, you need to know this about us. We will use money. We will use power. We will use status. We will use reputation. We will use humor. We will use um, being well built and being very fit. We will use anything that we possibly can to get and convince and manipulate women. You got to know this about men now. Also know this about men as well. Men will sleep with women. They have zero desire to be in a relationship nor a commitment with you. Got to understand this. I didn't make up these rules. This is just how nature laid it out. So you have to know these things. Men will also use God. You know, we don't talk about it because it's embarrassing. But I think we allow men of great virtue a lot of vice. We know Dr. King had proclivities. We know that. We knew that women threw themselves at Dr. King wherever he went. We knew that was a part of it. And at the end of the day, we say, look, Dr. King did a lot of very wonderful things. He moved an entire nation forward. He was so instrumental and influential on the lives of so many people that we still quote him probably five or six days a week, 50 plus years after his death. So we allow him to be a man of many faults, don't we? But there's nothing new about that. Men of great power and great status will use that power and their status to get women. There's even stories about activists here in Milwaukee that got themselves in all sorts of sticky sexual situations because women gravitated toward them. So I'm having this coffee with this woman who we're going to call Lisa, and she's just gushing about Pastor Marlon Locke. I'm sorry, not Marlon Locke. Kenneth Locke is a different lock. There's many locks. And only a few keys, apparently. And it was uncomfortable because she sounded like she had a crush. And that's eerily reminiscent of a caller who calls every so often. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to embarrass him. He was married to a woman, this caller, that has been calling me for years. And his wife, they separated, they divorced, okay? His wife was also 
in love with the pastor of their church. Now, the husband who used to go to church with the wife, he, he started to feel very uncomfortable with how his wife and the pastor of their particular church were interacting. So he just stopped going. He wasn't going to tell his wife to stop going to church because she loved going to that church. That was her home. That was her community. It is what it is. He just stopped going. So then once he stopped going to this church with his wife, because he just didn't feel too comfortable and he was going to support his wife for the most part, he wasn't a very religious fella. And he disclosed all this on air before. Well, he comes to find out that, Money is missing out of the bank account. Money that they would he would deposit to pay the bills and to have a lifestyle for himself, his wife and his family, because the wife is not giving a disproportionate amount of the family income to the pastor. Long story short, the woman was sleeping with the pastor, fell in love with the pastor. And now the woman moved with the pastor to because the, the congregation went down to Arizona. This stuff happens. Now, here's the whole thing with the evolved church, and I'm not implicating the church at all. But as I'm hearing about this woman who came forward and said that the pastor is manipulating vulnerable women. Remember, I got an experience with a woman that I met that I had uh, professional connections to. She and I decided to meet for a coffee and she's gushing over this pastor. And then a woman comes forward on Instagram And she's talking about her experience of also being, let's just say, manipulated because she was incredibly vulnerable, manipulated by the same pastor. Because churches and pastors are they are beacons for those who are lost, whose souls are just wandering. They're looking for some clarity. They're looking for some insight. And people can be very, very vulnerable. And if you see a man of faith and a man of God, and he happens to be handsome, and he happens to be shirtless and tattooed on his Instagram. Red flag! Remember, men will use God to manipulate women. Don't think that we won't. We'll use anything, anything at our disposal, even things that are not at our disposal, to get women. I'm not implicating this pastor. I need to keep repeating that, but there's something unusual here. Fast forward to recent times. The conversation of this church and this pastor came up again. It's got a younger. The parishioners are younger. And what I saw and what I read on social media, because a lot of people got got a bunch of opinions about this particular church and this particular pastor. Maybe his methods are a bit unorthodox, which is fine, but it creates a lot of conversation. A lot of people are talking about this particular pastor. And I find it interesting because this woman comes forward and talks about it. And she, you can tell it was really difficult for her. She says she had been hanging on to this information for a year. And she finally comes forward with an Instagram video. It's probably 10 plus minutes long. And she was prepared for the hate that she was going to get. I did not see. And I read as many comments as I could. I read so many comments. I read them till I got sleepy and went to bed. Not a single man was defending that church nor that pastor. All women. And when this woman comes forward to talk about how she was in a vulnerable place and then she believed that she was manipulated by this pastor, now she didn't get into the sexual things, but let's just assume that's a part of it. Women didn't believe her. Now, wait a minute. If we are supposed to believe women when they come forward, but if it's relating to what a pastor may have done, 
then we don't believe women. But what about me? I'm a man. When they tell me I need to believe women, am I supposed to? Do women also have to believe other women? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to let y'all take the lead. Because if women don't believe other women, then why the hell should I? I'm not implicating anybody in any of this. I just find it highly unusual, but also eerily familiar. And so the conversation about this church came up, let's just say fairly recently. And someone whom I know in a personal and professional capacity, again, a young woman, when I say young, under 30, which seems to be the cohort of people that are attracted to this church because the pastor posts shirtless pics of him sweating and working out, showing off his tattooed biceps. He's a magnet for young women, especially vulnerable ones and ones that have been hurt before. They're kind of lost and kind of aimless. And I hear this other woman that I know personally and professionally gushing about the same pastor. And I was like, nah, something's ain't right here. Something don't make no sense. Now, I'm not implicating the church nor that man. I just know that we sometimes turn a blind eye when the, when the accuser is of a particular type of status. We think that, oh, they're not capable of that. Like, don't y'all know the people that we know or think that we know, we sometimes don't know at all. People that you think are never capable of committing a crime, committing a murder, committing a rape, committing a sexual assault. Sometimes it's never the people we suspect. We got to stop being fooled. Now, again, I'm not implicating anybody. I'm just saying something's is not adding up to old Sherwin. I wanted to bring that to your attention. If a woman comes forward to talk about abuse or harassment she has suffered, do we believe her or not? Can I ask her for receipts or am I being disrespectful? Can I ask her to prove it or do I just believe her? And if a woman comes forward, who is obligated to believe her, her family, her friends, men or other women, all the above or none of the above? You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Our phone number is 833-212-1017, I think it's also because I know the dark history behind some pastors of churches in the city of Milwaukee. I'm all for people doing 180s and turning their lives around. You know, people that may have been involved in nefarious or sinister activities. They realize the error of their ways and they want to make some changes. But here's the other thing, you know, sometimes people are who they are. You can take the man out the streets, but you can't take the streets out of a man. We've talked about this before. There's corruption in the African-American church. There's corruption in religion. There's corruption in politics. There's corruption in any institution that you can think of. There are going to be corrupt people, especially when they have power and when they have influence and they have the ability to manipulate people. Something that I have seen just over my life and over my career, when people have a particular kind of power, it will corrupt them because the rules no longer apply. The laws no longer apply. 
And that's just a part of human nature. And a piece of human nature is very, very sinister. And I think you all know that. But there are people who, let's say they went to jail for a crime that would be considered a felony. And then they realize, hey, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to go back to jail and turn my life around. And maybe they turn their lives over to God and they come out and they get a, they have a mission and they get involved in missionary work and they want to spread the gospel because God, sometimes the last refuge for a savage really helped them see the light and help them become a better person. Cause all it takes this is what I come to find out. All it takes is one Bible verse. And I don't even know how many Bible verses there are in that book. I know it's a lot of pages in that book. Full disclosure. I've never read the Bible. I'm going to be saying a lot of full disclosures this morning. I have never read the Bible. I'm just not crazy about the way it's written. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of thou's and a lot of ye's and a lot of, you know, putting th's on the ends of thou cometh. Well, just say come. Don't say cometh. Just say come. So I haven't read it. But all it takes is for someone who's going through a dark period it's very stormy in their life. You know, negative things are surrounding them. The relationships are falling apart. You know, they lost their job, whatever the case may be. And all, this stuff happens to all of us. All they need is one Bible verse, one Bible verse that speaks to their situation. And like a drug, they're hooked. And there are people who can see the sun again as they read further and further into that book. It's the most widely known and best-selling book on planet earth. I also talked about a couple of weeks ago, the company that is responsible for printing and distributing Bibles is a subsidiary of Fox news. Go figure that's neither here nor there, but you guys know that pastors, especially black ones, the good ones, they have the gift of gab. Oh, they can talk real good, can't they? Oh, their words are so smooth and the way they can take those Bible verses and they can find a verse or they can find a chapter or they can find a book that can relate to the lives of the people that are in their churches. Because if you're talking about black folks, poor black folks, working class black folks, it's a whole bunch of the Bible that makes a bunch of sense to us. And if the pastor is suave and debonair and very articulate and the way that they can just manipulate that crowd of parishioners. It really is a thing of beauty. It also can be incredibly, incredibly dangerous because some pastors of some churches used to sell dope on our streets. That's right. Some pastors of some churches used to pimp and y'all know I'm not making this up, but when you think about it, isn't it the same thing using the gift of gab and using your words and the way you dress and the way you present yourself can be very attractive to people that have nothing else. And if you are bringing God and the Holy word to people that have nothing, it makes you almost like a superstar celebrity. So the gift of gab that a pimp has to convince a woman out of her clothes to sell her body to another man. And then the pimp gets the money that can work on vulnerable people because the prostitute and the parishioners at some level are both vulnerable. This is a very real thing. Some years ago, I talked about the Catholic church scandal of all of the sexual abuse. You know, what's crazy. The archdiocese of, 
I think it's the Archdiocese of either southeastern Wisconsin or Milwaukee County, which spans several counties and has probably hundreds of churches in it, kept frighteningly accurate records of the pastors that offended and reoffended and abused, mostly boys. There were a couple of situations where a Catholic priest abused girls, but it was like 99.9% of the Catholic priests that were accused of molestation of children. They were molesting boys and the church kept records. And I don't know how the journal Sentinel was able to obtain those records, but it went back like almost a hundred years. It was like 90 years of data where they would have the priest's name. They would have details of the allegation. And then it had also listed all written out and all published the, the action that the church took on, on this particular priest that offended. It says, Oh, this priest was accused of X, Y, Z at this particular church. They were put on leave. They were given a sabbatical. They were ordered to see a, a church ordered psychologist. They were given a little bit more time off and then they were reassigned to another parish. And guess what happened when they were reassigned to another parish after they went on sabbatical, they took some time off and then they were ordered to see a church ordered psychologist. They sent them to another parish and they offended again. And then of course they kept records of that. Well, this particular priest was accused of X, Y, Z. We were, they were given some time off. They were put on sabbatical. They were again ordered to see a church ordered psychologist. They were given a little bit more time off and then they were reassigned to another parish. And what do you think happened after that? Yep. You guessed it. That's right. So you know that it's possible. We hear about it, but for some reason we think that if it's somebody that we really, really like, it can't, it can't be them. Now, here's the other thing. I look like a fool and a whole bunch of other people look like fools when people come forward and they accuse someone of status, of notoriety, of something nefarious, illegal, and sinister, and it's totally made up because you got to leave some room for that, too. Sometimes people just make stuff up because they're angry, because they're deceitful, because they're jealous, because they're manipulative or because they may want something from a powerful individual and they can't get it. So they try to dethrone them. That happens too. I don't like when that happens. And I often wonder, because people have said stuff about me, as you could imagine, like things that I say on air, really nobody else says because they don't have the courage. Side note, when we started one on one, seven, the truth, I had been broadcasting for years. Like, I know y'all, y'all know me. I've been doing this for a long time at three different radio stations in the city. But my colleagues had never had this particular kind of broadcast platform before. There's radio and there's black radio. Our participation in this industry is different, okay? It's different. And we would have all these um, these virtual meetings preparing my fellow colleagues here at 1017 The Truth for a career in broadcasting. And I just, stuff just kind of went in one ear for me and out the other because I've done it for so many years. And what I found is that when the folks who were quote unquote experts in radio that had been doing it for a very long time 
were telling us the number one reason why talk show hosts fail or their content is not exciting, interesting or engaging. is because they're scared. They're afraid they're going to make their family mad. They're afraid they're going to make their community mad. Don't be scared. Just express yourself. And if those are your ideas, then you stand on your ideas. Now I come to find out. No, so not this radio station, but another one. The reason why some of that content is so boring and lackluster is because they're all scared. It's amazing, isn't it? I think we're the only ones over here that aren't scared. Well, that's the difference between what we do and what what everybody else does. But I often wonder, you know, if somebody says something about me, and they do, right? Some of y'all would believe it because you already are inclined to not like me because I've told you things that you didn't want to hear, or I said something to you that really struck a nerve, so you're already, you know, I'm not on your your Christmas list. And I wonder, because now I have to take all this stuff into consideration. What if this woman who came forward, because remember, when women come forward, we have to believe them. But, you know, we don't say the same thing about a man. If a man is hurt, harmed or victimized in any way, depends on what he says and how he was hurt, harmed or victimized. We never believe him. We don't care. He's probably just weak. So I also have to keep in mind that this woman that came forward in talking about Evolved Church and Pastor Kenneth Locke II, what if she is making it up? That is why this is a full disclosure. I've never met the man. I'm familiar with his church, but I also am familiar with young women under the age of 30 that have these schoolgirl crushes on him. And I find that very unusual. I find that somewhat unorthodox. I also find it a little weird that this brother will post shirtless selfies in the mirror showing off his tattoos. And it's eerily reminiscent of some other pastor that I know in this city, current and past that were pimps that sold dope. There were street dudes that just took their gift of gab and their ability to manip- to manipulate people either through getting them addicted or taking advantage of vulnerable women that had nothing and pimping those women out. And those men take that skill set and that knowledge and they move it into the church because the people are just as vulnerable. So I'm stuck in a rock in a hard place. I got other things I want to discuss today as well. Whole bunch of stuff. Religion does play a small role in what I want to discuss, because the other topic I was considering this morning is how how does the legacy of slavery still affect African-Americans today? And if you ask me to come up with an immediate answer to that question, I may struggle a little bit. But I found an article that I'd like to share with you, because there are some people that believe the whole legacy of slavery is behind us. You know, African-Americans have made wonderful progress. We're famous. We make money. We're athletes. We're stars. We have all of the things we could ever ask for. So they could say, hey, how does slavery still affect you? I may sometimes pause on that question because I can look at all the good that we have done and say that we have overcome it, even though we have not. So I'm going to talk about that at some point today as well. Right now, I'm going to take a little pause for the cause. We're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
church hurt is a broad term referencing the pain, physical or emotional, people experience within a church setting. A new pastor does not enter ministry intending to hurt others. I don't know about that sometimes. And most do not attend a new church hoping to cause division. However, it does happen, and it is prevalent. Church hurt is a, is a weapon that Satan uses. Satan uses church hurt to undermine a ministry's potential. He seeks to divide, discourage, and destroy. I don't even know if it's Satan, y'all. I think just human beings are sinister. Look at what we have done to one another throughout history. I don't know if it's it's Satan. Let the reader recall that the church is not a building. The church is the people, the followers of Christ. Its members comprise a church family and is referred to in Scripture as Christ's body. The church is holy and God's gift to the world in this age. However, though Christ is the head of the church and the spirit of God empowers workers to lead in the ministry of the church, the Lord has entrusted the care of the church to human beings. Therefore, the decisions or actions of people associated with the church are subject to, as they say in this article, error. Terrible things can happen in a church, be taught by a church, or be done by a Christian in the name of the church. For the most part, church hurt arises from abuses in those areas. You may be experiencing church hurt if you are no longer comfortable attending a church service. You believe the church is weak in extending grace and forgiveness. You feel anxiety when you think about attending a service. A lot of y'all do. You ever had y'all have that guilt where you know you should go to service, but you just don't want to. You just don't feel like it. And if you wonder if God is going to forgive you, you wonder if the pastor is going to notice you're not there. You're going to wonder if people of your in your flock at church are going to notice that you aren't there. You might want to be there because if you're not there, they may talk about you, that anxiety that some of you feel. You ain't got to disclose it to me, but you know that it's real. You distrust pastors or ministry leaders. You experience little joy in attending church. You primarily attend out of a sense of duty. Or obligation, you avoid serving in church or attending small group activities. You prefer large settings and being anonymous. You believe the difference between a Christian and one not in a relationship with Jesus is minimal. You have lingering feelings of anger, shame, or sadness when thinking about or attending church services or functions. Who's responsible for church hurt? Church hurt occurs when pain, physical or emotional, results from the actions or decisions associated with someone in church. Church hurts is aggravated when forgiveness is needed but not extended and when grievances are spoken, but church leaders and offending parties do not hear. Now, we all have our own opinions. We all have our own life experiences. And a lot of us are critical thinkers. You need to be critical of everything, ladies and gentlemen. I know that that's tough because there are some things that you want to see in your mind that's perfect. There are things that some of you believe are above criticism. It might be your friends. It might be your family. And a lot of times, a lot of times y'all think it's you that you are above criticism because you've had a hard life and you've come from you know, the downtrodden and you've come so far and you've just really turned your life around. Nothing is immune from criticism, but we should want to be critical of things. But here's what makes it tough. Those that are the faithful and no pun intended, God bless you, 
but you need to be critical of the church and your faith too. All I need is the emblem of the clan, the Ku Klux Klan. What was their emblem? There's a Christian organization. The same God that you Christians worship, but they had a bit of a different interpretation of it, I reckon. They burned a cross. They illuminated a cross with flames. And they would use that as a terroristic threat against other Christians, but other Christians that they didn't think quite fit the mold and their narrative. So if you have a situation like that, if you have such a dichotomy in Christianity where both slave and master worship the same God on the same day at the same time, Sundays at nine o'clock or whenever the church services start, don't you think just from a realistic perspective that church and religion needs to be looked at critically? But here's one thing you simply cannot do. You cannot challenge a Christian. You cannot ask them to think deeply. You cannot ask them to think critically about the dichotomy and the duplicity of the faith in which they subscribe. And that's a problem. And when you can't be critical of something, then people are ripe for manipulation because you never question the intentions or the motivations or the output of said thing in which we refuse to be critical. Human beings are not physically very tough. If you look at other life forms in the animal kingdom, sometimes they have great strength. Sometimes they have like armor on their bodies, like an armadillo or something like that. It has, it's got protection. It's got physical protection, which makes it very, very tough. Human beings don't have that. We're very weak. Our flesh is very weak, but we got big brains. We got a brain where you can do all sorts of thinking and questioning and asking and trying to decipher and figure things out. That's why it makes zero sense to me that as smart as we are, look at the things that human beings have accomplished in the last 500 years. It's remarkable, isn't it? The technology that we have. I mean, the technology that we've seen exacerbate over the last 20 years is awe-inspiring because we're very smart. We're thinking people. We're always fixing and repairing and building and improving, except when it comes to institutions that we believe are just perfect. Now, some of my my sentiments may come across as offensive to you all, especially when I talk about organized religion. That is because I am thinking critically about that. Like I think about politics, like I think about society, like I think about racism, like I think about the black community. I am critical of everything. And that's good because through that criticism, we can arrive at some truth. We should also be critical of the church because if someone is screaming that they have been harmed, don't dismiss that person because guess what? You may be harmed next and you're going to want us to believe you. Is that correct? Or should we dismiss you too? You hold that thought. I'm going to take a break. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. I don't know how this whole business started Of you thinking that I had been a 
Our phone number is 833-212-1017, 833-212-1017. All I ask is that African-American folks think critically about everything because y'all got to have a, a funny feeling inside. Why are we still, when you compare us to other people, even people that haven't been here as long as us, they come over here and they do a lot better. So there has to be something going on that is still holding us back. Now we can just go ahead and say, oh, well, it's racism. But we got to think critically about that because it's not like it's white folks just, you know, throwing us in jail and calling us the N word. It's way more subtle, which requires us to think long, hard and deeply about the things that we do and the things that we subscribe to, even the things that we that we supposedly trust, because racism exists it's like it's everywhere. It's like dust particles. They're like little dust mites that you can only really see it if you get under a microscope. So we have to think critically and be somewhat mistrustful of everything until those things that we are mistrustful of have earned our trust. I've been critical of religion because of how y'all, come, y'all how we have come to become Christian. And then I get into arguments to black folks like, well, in other parts of Africa, Christianity existed. You're correct. In fact, I believe it was born in the horn of Africa in Ethiopia. But that's not where we're from, ladies and gentlemen. There was no Christianity in Western Africa, in Ghana, on the Ivory Coast. It did not exist. It was used as a slave making propaganda tool. But you just got to be okay with that. Now, here's the other thing. We, like everything else, we transform the church into the black church where it allows us to like escape and exist in terror. The United States was terror for a very long time for African-Americans. So the church helped us through that. But you have to look at the roots of how we became Christian. And I'm not saying don't be a Christian. I'm not saying don't do all the Christ-like things. I mean, hell, I celebrate Christmas. Right? But just be critical of things. Or if there's someone that does not agree with you, because there's nothing worse than a Christian that feels triggered. We have to be able to discuss these things. And for some reason, for so many people, discussing Christianity and how a pastor can manipulate young women. Oh, that's off the table. But we're supposed to believe women when they come forward. But if it's a pastor that y'all like, well, then that woman clearly is a liar or Satan is working through her. huh? Hello, Bob. Stay on the point, Bob. Stay on the topic. Hello, Sherwin. Uh, If you can answer these three questions logically and make me understand. Probably won't be able to make you understand. Probably won't be able to, but go ahead. No, I, I know you can't. I don't think you can. I'll put it that way. How did we get here? Now, old as, I'm old as Methuselah. I should have seen how we evolved from an ape or something. And they've been saying it since we've been keeping records since 16 or 1500. Somehow I should have known we evolved from an ape or whatever or animal. The second question. How does our hearts keep beating? Can you snap your fingers and stop your heart? Can you snap your fingers and stop your heart and snap them again and make it keep going again? And the third thing is that rainbow, the promise of God that he's not going to destroy the world with water. If you can logically answer those three questions, logically, it makes sense. Oh, okay. But you can't. And that, that's, 
and I wanted to say that before you switch topics, because you switched to immigrants in a minute. I said, uh-uh. But you didn't switch. You went right back. So that was, if you can answer them three questions. No, I can't. I, no, I can't answer. We've been keeping records since the 1600s, and we evolved from apes. How come we can't snap our fingers and make a heart stop and then start again? And what was the third one? The third one was that rainbow. Uh, he promised us not to, you know, destroy the earth with water. I don't know nothing about I mean, the rainbow. I thought the rainbow belonged to the gays. I don't know nothing about uh, the, the rainbow. Was that some kind of religious symbolism? The rainbow in the sky. Shirley. What, a, what about it? It's leprechauns and a pot of gold at the end of it. It's a gay leprechaun at the end of the rainbow. I don't know nothing about no rainbow man. How can you explain how that rainbow got there? Who put it there? That's light what, reflecting I mean, through water droplets. That's not hard to explain. And then the gays oh, took really? it. In a in a in a solid arc. That's kind of under. That's, that's the refraction of light through raindrops. Yes, Bob. That's not tough to. A rainbow is not deep science nor religious. <laughs> How that I mean, why isn't it all? Oh, I'm, it's it's a straight arc. How can it be? How can you? Because because water can bend light, you know, and it exposes the spectrum of visible light. Bob, why am I? Go, Bob, go to Google, please. I gotta go because I gotta take a break. But go go to your phone. You got two cell phones apparently. Pick one of your two cell phones and type in. How does a rainbow form? And I want you to read it. And now I have to go. Go do some reading now, Bob. You're listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes. I'll be right back.